Hey guys, uh, welcome to Large Group. My name is Skyler. I'm the campus minister here, and I, I love Wednesday nights. And I hope that you're finding that as you give yourself to this space, um, you're actually given something instead of asked of something. And uh, I know you all are in busy places carrying lots of things, some happy, some hard, some sad. Um, so I pray that tonight will be encouraging to you um, as we share together in God's Word. Uh, we've been talking about um, what, what I would say, like um, different worldviews that we all find ourselves increasingly attracted to. You see, the Bible speaks of there being a particular worldview in which we're invited to live into. The, the worldview of God creating the world, the worldview that we rebelled from that good God, and the worldview that says that God came to the rescue for those rebellious people. And the worldview concludes with the good news that everything bad will become untrue, everything sad will no longer be, our life will be all in all in Jesus. This place will be renewed. That's a big story. And that's the story of Scripture that's inviting you and I to live within it. And we, we know and, and we can feel deep within ourselves that we need something bigger than ourselves to make sense of our lives. You see, worldviews aren't just informational. They're actually grids or paradigms or glasses. When we have a proper worldview, we actually can understand the rest of our lives through them. We all move towards something bigger than ourselves. We need this. This is why we mourned the queen's death. This is why we storm the court or the field when we win a big game. We need stories bigger than ourselves. Sadly, we've rejected the one that we're made for. And in tonight, we're going to continue God's message of the best worldview, delivered by His eternal Son, painting a picture, casting a vision, reminding people who have chosen false worldviews to be wed with His. In other words, Jesus wants us, as we read the Sermon on the Mount, He wants our stories to collide with His, so that as we live our stories, they would make the most sense beneath His. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hands you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, our stories uh, are, are being written even tonight. And I pray um, that wherever we may be tonight, um, whatever fears we bring to this room, whatever anxieties that are weighing us down, whatever, whatever joyful things are happening in our lives, whatever confusion we're experiencing, Lord, would you bring together all these different stories that you love, connect them to yours. Holy Spirit, would you so convince us that the person preaching this word tonight, Jesus, would be beautiful and believable. We ask it in his name. Amen. All right. 
How many times or have you, let me start over. Are you familiar uh, with being in denial? Being in denial with something. Well, I think you are. Let me give you an illustration. I think you have, um, you've come to me before and said, yeah, I've got like a 25 page paper due on Friday, but it'll be fine. It's Wednesday. You are in complete denial of that reality. Um, okay, this one's going to be a little bit heavier, but, but maybe, maybe one of your parents is in denial about the pain that their divorce has caused you. I still love you. They're in denial. Others of us are ignorant, right? I, uh, we're, we're just sort of, we're blissfully unaware. We're ignorant that the person we sort of like doesn't like us. And we need someone really kind to say, hmm, you know what? That's not going to work. I think about stories of everyone I've ever heard that goes to the chiropractor. They got a little hitch in their neck or neck or something. And, and the first visit they go and they leave having learned that their hips are out of line one leg's longer than the other their shoulders are crooked and their spine is curved I'm like whoa I just thought I had an achy back friends whether we're in denial or ignorant of our heart's condition we all need Christ to do something and from this text we need Jesus to x-ray our hearts so that he can illustrate his that's the point tonight we need Jesus, whether we're in denial of the true realities of the shadows of our hearts, or we're just ignorant, not even meaning to be. We're just unaware. Both of us tonight need Christ to x-ray our souls so that he can illustrate his heart. So if we look back at the first part of this text, verses 21 to 22, we, we see that if you're angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. You think that murder is the only thing that can, that can make you liable to judgment, but Jesus is saying, no, anger. And it makes us ask the question, how in the world could anger deserve the same punishment as premeditated murder? I mean, come on. That's quite an indictment, Jesus. But tonight, through this text, Jesus is x-raying our hearts with these three phrases. I don't know why I keep touching my nose. That's messing me up. These three phrases to reveal the anger that's actually existing within our hearts. The first is this, this quick phrase of being angry with your brother. And, and the point to be made here is that the anger that Jesus is talking about is not like uh, the sort of you're in traffic and all of a sudden just someone won't go and the light turns green and you yell at him, right? He is talking about the sort of anger that is just bubbling lava in your heart like resentment, like seething, just disgust. This anger, he says, you may not have killed someone, but you have erased people with this anger. He scans deeper. Your bubbling resentment expresses itself in murderous insults. Did you see that in, in those first two verses? If you've got a Bible translation, um, you may even see this strange word that says raka. And raka was, was a word that really just broadly means some sort of verbal abuse. Jesus is saying that your anger, it, it, it seems it seeps through your mouth in, in words of insult. We know that terrible line that says, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words may never hurt us. That is baloney. 
If tonight there could be little text screens above text bubbles or the cartoon thingies that like sort of pop up when someone's talking, and if in each of those words that have wounded you would surface, friends, those words would represent deeper and more painful scars than anything physical, right? We know all about the insults that our vocabulary provides. Have you ever walked off the cliff of sarcasm into like really hurting someone's feelings? Your anger is a problem and it's deeper than you realize. And then he really, really goes deep. Not only do we have an arsenal of words to diminish people in our, in our uh, insults, but we begin to assassinate their character when we begin to have this resentment pop off in, in this phrase, you fool! He's saying that our hearts are spewing with so much rage, so much disgust, that it's as if we just wish they weren't alive. I can't help but think of Cruella DeVille and 101 Dalmatians and just, you fool! Do you remember that scene like where she's like screaming at Horace and Jasper because they're idiots? She hates her life. This, my friends, is a problem. And we're liable to judgment for this sort of anger that's happening. We live in an outrage culture, and, and I think we know this. We're, we're applauded for and even sort of commended for, for, for being like a raging rant. There was, a, there was a writer who coined a phrase called outrage porn. And similar to how pornography works in our lives, he's connecting anger to it. And he says, it's like our anger, when we give these, ourselves to these sort of outrageous rants, it's like a cheap orgasmic thrill at the expense of another human being, but without any personal accountability or commitment to that person. It feels good to rant. It feels good to unload. <laughs> I think about, I was thinking about that this week as I was thinking about anger in my heart and like really trying to let this message kind of settle in with me. And I couldn't help but feel so disgusted at, at this person that I saw multiple times this week on one of those like three-wheeled bicycles at five o'clock in the afternoon on Greenville Boulevard. And he had these flags up, of course we can see you. And, and I can feel myself even now just like thinking like, you fool, what are you doing? Of course you, the right way is your, whatever that means, like you have the right of way, but we all can resonate with that. I was fortunate enough or maybe in God's providence, I found in our newspaper, pirate rants. So, um, some people were anonymously quoted for some things that they love to rant about. I really hope this is none of you, because this could be embarrassing. If it is, be super stoic. I went to the NC State football game, and it was completely ridiculous that you guys ran out of some foods and beverages. You all knew that we should be sold out. I understand people were taking advantage of the bikes, but you all should not have removed them on campus. It was barely two weeks that students had them. Maybe you all should have done it to where you can, can which student? Can, oh, you can check them out, rent them to specific students. This person probably doesn't have that accent. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> can someone please explain exactly why the bowling alley in Mendenhall isn't open back up? The place still looks good as new. Why not open it back up? Is this someone? Oh, sorry, I thought, I thought somebody saw that. Dear Pledges, 
it is not embarrassing to wear your little navy jackets and khakis to class. You look cute. I don't, I don't know how that's a rant. I don't think, is that a rant? <laughs> Does anyone else think we should bring back those mental health days? They sprinkled through our schedules when we were all online because I could have used a few. The freshman energy while y'all walk in groups of 15 plus in the student center is ridiculous. Is that you, Riley? No. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Okay. All right, last one, last one, and we'll move on. Fire everyone in the, at parking. If you can't do your job to ticket and tow, you don't deserve to work for ECU. We're tired of not parking where we've paid for. Okay, that one struck a nerve. Do you see? I know we were being lighthearted in that moment. Do you see that not only are, are we living in an outraged culture, but in some ways, we're incentivized. We can get printed in the newspaper. We expect Jesus to turn his anger toward us when he exposes this sort of anger within us, right? If you were to see this in your own heart, we're completely convinced that if God can see everything that he actually can, that that will ultimately condemn us. Our hearts are petrified of this sort of vulnerability. So we assume that, that he's going to turn his anger toward us. Well, he does, but not in the way that we expect. Jesus exposes our heart to the anger that we have so that he can illustrate his heart of reconciliation. So if we look at the second part of this passage, in verses 23 to 26, we see these two illustrations, these two sort of uh, teaching metaphors, if you will. What is Jesus doing with these two? He's illustrating this truth, that every activity forbidden in God's word carries a positive counterpart to it. Our hearts will always move toward rules as benchmarks, as guardrails, as checkboxes. We need syllabi and homework to guide our learning experience because we can't simply love learning. My parents would constantly tell me when I would leave my house in high school and in college, don't speed, Skylar. They had every right to do that. I accumulated five speeding tickets in that season of my life. But what do they actually mean? Drive safe. It wasn't just the lowest uh, point of, of success. The law, what it forbids is the lowest level. And the invitation is something that supersedes that. So instead of aiming his guns at us and our anger to fight it back with the same sort of anger, he reminds us of his heart, which is to bring life, to bring specifically reconciliation. Let's look at this first illustration, this worship service. We're told that someone is, is traveling to court with their accuser. And Jesus says that you need to be reconciled to that person before you even get to court. What's so strange about this is we expect Jesus to say, if you, excuse me, I just switched that. That was the courtroom. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm talking about uh, the first one, which is not the courtroom, the worship service. If you're at the altar and you're about to worship, he says it's better that you be reconciled to the person who has something against you. 
And we all think that what we, we want him to say is that if I have something against someone else, I need to stop what I'm doing here and I need to pursue that person. No. Remember, Jesus isn't concerned with the bare minimum of the law. He wants life, not murder. He just wants life. So he says, I don't want you just to root the anger out of your heart. I want you to keep someone else from assassinating you with their anger. He is urgently commending that we be reconciled. That reconciliation is more important than worship. Second, the courtroom. As I was saying, you and your accuser are on the way to court and this person has against you, legitimate or not. Jesus says, you need to reconcile with them. A quick word, this isn't legal advice. So don't, don't make this prescriptive, okay? This is a, a teaching metaphor. If you know anything about the court process or you have unfortunately been involved in it yourself, you know there's this, this sort of uh, idea, and I wish there was like a CJ major in here to help me, where you can actually sort of settle out, right? Which is to say you can actually confess to the thing that you've done and receive less of a consequence, right? If it's some sort of like terrible uh, felonious act, you know, it's like less time in prison. If it's uh, some sort of drinking ticket or something that you got, you pay a fine. Right, So it's, it's saying, I did something wrong, let's settle this. Jesus is saying it is better to experience the humiliation of hearing your accuser tell you what you've done wrong than to risk that relationship being murdered. Christ's heart to command against murder is his command to save life. Jesus is saying, and I quote, Deal urgently and fully with all breakdowns in fellowship before they lead to spiritual assassination. Friends, whether we're in denial about the condition of our hearts or just blissfully ignorant, we all need Christ to x-ray to the deepest level so that He can expose and ultimately illustrate His heart, that we would be stunned with His reaction to it. You see, the first point tonight was that we think that, we, that we're okay because we haven't killed someone, but we have erased people with our anger. The roots of our sin, my friends, are more dangerous than the fruit of our sin. That's the point of his x-ray. The heart kills long before the hands do, if ever. Lord willing, never. So who are you angry at? I want you to know that anger is incredibly instructive. By the way, anger is just anger. It's not necessarily bad, but it often it is in our hearts. You should also know that anger is a secondary emotion. It's the response that we carry when we're afraid or we're hurt. Anger is incredibly instructive. Who are you angry at? What are you angry over? Because it's teaching you what you most fear and what you most love. Some of you tonight are this angry toward yourself. You have the barrel of the gun pointed at you. You can't get out from under your own self-contempt. And others of you can't stand when that person raises their hand to talk again. Who are you angry at? Where is Jesus inviting you to see, to teach you what your anger is doing to you? So how can Jesus respond this way? 
No one knew the holistic purpose of the law better than Jesus, right? He, of course, never murdered someone, but plenty of people have accused him, right? Of course. Adam accused him of giving him Eve. Eve accused him of the dang snake. Job accused him of not keeping him from suffering. Jonah accused God of being merciful to rebellious people. David accused God of holding out on him. We accuse God for not intervening fast enough, good enough. Our instinct is to resent him, insult him, to assassinate his character. And Jesus' instinct is reconciliation. (laughs) The reason he tells us that we are to remove the anger in our neighbor's heart is because that's what he's done. That's what he's done. He moved toward his accusers. Jesus comes after his accusers to reconcile them to himself. How does he do this? He uses his anger to save. He uses it to save. Verse 22 says, We would be liable to the hell of fire if we do these things. Verse 26 says, If we don't reconcile, we'll never get out of prison until we've paid the last penny. These are some really strong, this is a really strong language. But the good news is that Jesus has endured these consequences of our murderous hearts for us. God used his protective anger on his son to pay for the last penny of our selfish, insecure anger. If you grew up in a home that was angry, this can be really hard to hear. If you grew up in a home that no one was allowed to be angry, this can be hard to hear. When you experience this sort of love, it begins to melt the anger around our hearts. God's anger protects. God's anger keeps us safe. I'm going to conclude with this story. When I was in high school, I had gotten in to a not great crowd. And one day I, I was with a friend on the golf team, stupid golfers, and um, we got into his to his parents' um, alcohol supply, and it was late. I was finally coming back from practice. My family was having a small group in her house, and I sneak up the stairs, and I go to my room, just trying to hide with everything that I can. And my dad sort of sneaks away from the group and he makes his way up the stairs. I have broken lots of laws. I have drank underage. I have driven half drunk. And I got home and my dad comes in the room and tears are coming down his face. And he yells, what have you done? Don't ever do that again. His anger was to protect me. Our father's anger is to keep you and I safe. His anger is never to harm you. Instead, he aimed his protective anger toward the one his own 
so that we would be brought in and forever, forever, we would receive the reconciliation of our Father through the Son forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these students. And these words are so difficult to hear that anger could in any way be used for our good. And so, Lord, I pray that that we would disconnect any uh, misunderstandings um, and even ways that we've been harmed by others in their anger. Would you disconnect those so that we could see something that's beautiful? That though our anger harms people all the time, harms ourselves. In other words, Jesus thinks that they're just as deadly as someone wielding something to physically kill someone. Lord, these words are tremendous. Help us to rest in the protection of your arms, your love that is so deep that you're willing to not give us what we deserve, but to move toward us so that we can live with you forever to experience joy and peace and hope and life. Father, would you do these things? Jesus, would you become so irresistible to us tonight? We ask this in your name, by the Spirit. Amen.